so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Morning Church, how are we? Good. Good? Good. Am I convinced? Maybe. Everyone have a good week. Did you have a good week? Did you rest? Did you pray? Did you worship? Did you get those foundations? Because we're going to spend some time talking about rest. Not just today. We're going to actually start a series today about rest. But, you know, I, Pam and I actually took some rest. We took a Sabbath day. We'll talk a bit more about that in a little while. We took a Sabbath day. We went down and had a day. Well, we actually had a few days. I was doing some prep. And then we had a day at the coast. And it was Friday. Walked the beach. It was just spending time with God. Taking that Sabbath is so, so important. And, you know, a little while back in another, another church at another time, I remember someone saying to me, you know, said, pastor in there and said, Keith, he said, you know, I rang you the other day and you didn't answer the phone. Guess what? I will get back to you, but sometimes I don't answer my phone. I said, yeah, I didn't answer the phone. It was my day off. They said, the devil didn't take the day off, you know. The devil doesn't take a day off. I said, yeah, that's why I take one. Because I don't want to be like the devil. I don't want to be straining and stressing. And so foundation of rest. So I just want to read a scripture as we get in. I want to pray and let's get into the word. And the scripture I want to read is Psalm 91 from the Amplified Version. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. Whose power no enemy. So Lord, today we just come. We come to rest in the shelter of you, the Almighty God. We can rest there because when we're secure, resting in your place, No enemy, no enemy can attack us, Lord. That's where you've placed us. So I just ask us that that we would be able to rest in your presence this afternoon as we go from this place, Lord. We rest in your presence this week, Lord. Whatever comes at us, we'll be able to rest secure, knowing no enemy can attack us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about rest. And when we came to Australia, which actually was about 24 years ago, I heard all these stories that this was the great... Southland, it was a, the land of the long weekend. Yeah, right. People don't rest. You know, and, and that rest has had a huge impact on, on this society. So many of you know I've been involved in mental health and suicide prevention for many years. Most of the time I've been here in churches, out in communities, for government. But just a few little stats that, that talk about our community. Two in five Australians of the age of 16 to 85, so that kind of encompasses most people in this room, or 8.6 million people have a mental disorder sometime in their life. One in five have a 12-month mental disorder. That's that's 4.2 million people in this nation. And almost two in five, that's almost 40% between the ages of 16 and 24, so the younger age, have a 12-month disorder and the major disorder is anxiety and you know anxiety is a thing that the Lord doesn't want us to have he wants us to rest he has scriptures about that in Philippians he says, yeah, just just rest and I started looking at this word what is the opposite of rest you have things like agitation commotion disquiet disturbance restlessness staring tumult unrest strain and toil They're heavy-duty words. 
The Lord wants us to rest. And so we had a scripture on um, Psalm 23, which I love. I absolutely love them. We're going to spend some time unpacking that over the next few weeks. See, rest is important. Who knows God rested? Yeah? God rested. He took time out. He rested. Jesus rested. And a number of years ago, the Lord dropped on Pam, and I'm not going to claim any responsibility for this one, the word restoration. It has two words in it. It has the word rest, and it has the word ration. Rest, oh, ration. So if you don't rest in God, what you get is a ration of God. And we don't want a ration. We want the full impact of what God has for us here today and in this, this church. You see, it took me time to learn these things. But I don't think we learn how to rest permanently, do we? I don't. I didn't, I didn't suddenly wake up one morning and go, I'm going to rest now. And I'll chill a little bit more about why in a moment. But the Israelites, even the Israelites going into the promised land, it says this. And it says this in Exodus 23, 29 to 30 in the Living Bible. I will not do it in one year, for the land would become a wilderness, and the wild animals would be too many to control. But I will drive them out little by little until your population has increased enough to fill the land. Here's a little translation of that. I'm not going to give you everything you promised in a single year because you're not prepared to handle it. You're not prepared to handle that much blessing, and it would be too much for you to manage. Instead, you're going to learn what I want you to learn little by little so that you can grow, so that you can be strong enough to handle it. Twenty odd years ago, I was stood in the courtyard of Youth with a Mission and God said, I want to take an excavator to your life. That sounded two things to me. It sounded deep and it sounded painful. And sometimes it was. But you know, the reality is I think God was saying, hey, I want to teach you some new ways of living. I want to teach you about rest. It took me quite a few years to catch up with what God was doing. But it was a pacing stuff. It says Romans isn't built in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither was church. Neither was relationship. It says on average it takes you either a crisis or three years to build a relationship. So we've only arrived, so give us some time. Hey, just don't give us too many crises. That's okay. But you know, God, God considers rest as important as work. God Gives us opportunities. In my marriage of 40 odd years, God has given me lots of opportunities growing my wife. <laughs> Not really. As God has grown my wife, he's grown me. As he's grown our marriage, he's grown me. As he's grown my, my strain with my children, he grew me. It was little by little he started scraping the stuff away. And you know God smiles on you. And he doesn't smile on you when you're doing all the spiritual stuff, which is good. We're called to be disciples, make disciples. We're called to go out. But God smiles on you when you're sleeping. The Word tells us that. And how many of us as parents, we actually, you know, when our kids were, yay big, mine are a little bit bigger now, but I had grandkids as well. And you go into the room and they're sleeping and you just stand there and go, oh, look at that, it's beautiful. But God does that. God actually looks down and he smiles on you when you're resting. He smiles on you when... When your kids are just hanging out, he just wants to smile on you. So God rests. And my question for you this morning is, are you busier than God? Because if you are, you need to take some rest. It says this in Exodus 30, 31, 17. One day a week, God says, will always serve as a reminder that I made the heavens and earth in six days. And on the seventh day, I rested and relaxed. 
That's the contemporary English version. I rested and I relaxed. We did a bit of relaxation on Friday. Walked the beach. Let some waves go over our feet. It was a bit cold to go in. But actually just doing that. Why did God relax and rest on one day? Do you think he was tired? Well, he wasn't. Because God doesn't get tired. It says he never rests. He never sleeps or slumbers. But he does rest. He wasn't tired because he never gets tired. He was modeling what we should be doing. To take some rest. To keep a Sabbath. I used to call that a day off. I now call it a Sabbath. Because if you call it a day off, do you know what? You can cheat and go, oh, well, I'll take another day off. And guess what? I'll take another day off. And oh, I might take another day off. But you never actually get around to taking the day off. But if you call it a Sabbath, that's seventh day. And our seventh day isn't today. For us, this isn't our Sabbath. So Fridays, we've decided, are our Sabbath. So if I don't answer the phone on a Friday, you'll know what I'm doing. I will get back to you. I will. Having said that, we do check the answer phone. And if it's something serious, like we've had something happen in our own personal lives with a close friend and a member of our old church who's in hospital at the minute, we did respond to that. But we didn't actually respond till the Saturday. But we got back to the family. We need to take that time to relax. Because you know what? Psalm 23 that we've just had read by Ken, that actually models how we're supposed to rest. You know, when he's taking care of his sheep, God takes care of us. He wants to feed us, he wants to lead us, and he wants to meet our needs. And we're going to expand on that over the next couple of weeks. So this morning, I'm really just about setting the scene and just actually looking at our stuff. You know, God wants to take care of us. It's all our worry, our hurry, and our scurry, and our restlessness. That comes from the fact that we don't understand how good God is. And I'm still on that journey. I don't, know, I don't think we actually get there until we'll turn up and say, Hi, Jesus. Hi, Dad. How are you? But we learn to realize that God actually loves us so much that he, we can relax. The wheels won't fall off if we stop doing something for a day. That we're not so important that if we stop doing the work, the work of the Lord won't carry on. So we need to relax. We need to learn to rest. We need to learn to let go. So I'm going to start to look at some things that the Good Shepherd does. And one of the things he does, he ensures that we get enough health, enough rest to stay healthy. So it says this in Psalm 23, in verses 1 and 2. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. I have everything I need. And Carl and Pam and I were talking up here earlier on that he, has, he gives us everything we need. Sometimes he doesn't always give me what I want because he knows better. But he gives us what we need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. Those, that particular couple of verses to me speak about rest and refreshment. You know, why don't we get enough rest? Sometimes I think we just don't, we don't kind of trust God enough. We just need to let him make us lie down. You know, children, have you ever, those of you who have children, you know when they stay up all night and they're trying to stay up, particularly around New Year's Eve, we used to let our kids stay up and it'd get to about nine o'clock and their eyes are down here and they're going, and going, do you want to go to bed? No, I'm good, I'm good. And, and they'd have these matchsticks in their eyes. And eventually they'd probably fall asleep about 10 o'clock and we'd put them to bed. And you know, as, as Christians, sometimes I think we do that. God goes, do you want to rest? No, no, I'm good, God. I can go another round. I can do another thing. I can keep going. And God's going, really? I don't think that's actually mature. I think mature Christians, and we'll look at that 
later this morning. Mature Christians, they know the flow of the Holy Spirit. So to give God my best, for you to give God your best, it requires rest. Rest is required. Rest is in the calculation and it's in the formula. Remember, six days he labored and he made the earth. And I think he did a pretty good job in six days. And he took a day off. So if that's God's modeling, let's look at that. So the difference often between stressed and blessed is actually this thing about rest. So the Lord is my shepherd. He, lets, he makes me lie down, even when I don't want to. And sometimes we don't want to. We actually don't want to lie down. And for me, in my journey with the Lord, sometimes when I haven't wanted to and I've kept going, he has a way of making me. That's what it says in the scripture. The Lord makes me lie down. If we don't stop when we feel to and we know that the Lord speaks to us, he will make us. He'll put us out there. So how do, we, how do we rest and how do we get relaxed in God's presence? How do we rest? How do we relax? I'm glad you asked me. It's good. It's a good question, but how do we do it? We need to get to the source. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to look at the source of a few things that actually stop us relaxing and resting in God's presence. Rather than getting stressed, I want to be blessed. That doesn't mean I have everything that I want, but I have everything that I need. We need to actually be at rest. So we're going to look at some examples from the Word of God. We're actually going to start to pull some of these out this morning and have a look from the Word of God. You know, why can't I rest? And one of the first, the first issues I'd like to just bring to you is the, the issue of misplaced identity. So for many, many years, my identity was not quite in the right spot. Let's put it that way. And we're going to have a, a little look at that. So actually, I got saved on the 2nd of April. Some of you get bored of hearing this. 2nd of April, 1996 at 8.35. People say, how can you be so precise? Because Jesus broke into my life. But guess what? That's my birthday next week. I'm 27. Next Sunday, it's my birthday. Hey, party. party time. 27 years. 27 years. And in those early years, from my background, I was still doing. So many of you know I was a, I was a police officer. Before that, my father, he taught me a really good work ethic, my dad. I look back now and I know how much my dad loves me. And he taught me such a really good work ethic. But his method of teaching was probably not the best. So he would tell you that that wall was black. My mum would tell you what shade of black it was. And the kids, us kids, we didn't argue with that shade. Because if we did, we got a thing called 4B2 ministry. That was how we, that was how we were brought up. So when I, when I grew up, it was like, hey, Dad, I've got 98%. I was thinking about what Deb was saying about these mentors. And it's like really encouraging, getting alongside and mentoring someone. You know, and actually encouraging. Mentoring is about that building up, hey. But now I come home and I go like, I've got 98% in the test, Dad. Well, why didn't you get 100 like your sister? And it was like all my life. So as I grew up, I started going, hey, Dad. And I, I, I got married and I was still trying to impress my dad. Hey, hey, Pam. I don't, and it was like, Pam was encouraging me. But in the back of my mind, it was like, why didn't you get 98%? I'm doing it right, Dad. And it was like just going on. So I joined the police. And you know what? Police, military, those disciplined things, they're really easy to to live your life in because you have to do this and then you do that. But even in the police, I was getting promoted and it was all about, am I doing it? Am I actually getting 98%? Can I have the next rank? Am I getting 98%? The picture, my life was kind of very structured. And when you've lived that way for nearly, you know, 36 years and then Jesus enters your world. I love Jesus Christ. I love the Holy Spirit. 
but that father over there, nah, don't give me that. You know when you've got three-legged stool and one's missing? Tend to fall on your behind. It's a fact. You fall over. So that's how I came into the Christian world with all of this stuff about achieving and doing. And then two years after that, the Lord calls us into youth with a mission. We're in separate places. We have a young, you know, at that time we had an 18-month-old baby and two other older children. And God calls us into missions. And we just go, yeah, let's go. We're going to do this thing. We're coming for six months. And I'm going, we're going to do this thing. Let's make it really good. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get 100%. Never mind the 98. So we get on a plane and we come to Australia. The land of the long weekend. Yeah, right. So here we are. We're in this place. We're in Youth of the Mission. And, and just while I describe my experience in Youth of the Mission, I just need a volunteer. Now, I've got to warn you. I need a, I need a bloke on ours. I need a someone. You can, you can come and give me a hand if you want, Pippi. Would you like to give me a hand? I'll let Pippi give me a hand. She can hold it. We'll, we're going to be gentle. Are you, are you okay for lifting a few things? Is it going to be a bit heavy for you, hon? Okay, I want you to lift some stuff. Yeah, can you pass these things for me? Yeah, you can help me. Can I have somebody who's also going to give me help? And Pippi's going to give me help to hold these things. Oh, look, he's enough. So here's this bloke, right? So I, I arrive in Youth of the Mission. And bear in mind, I've been saved two years. And I'm like, Jesus, I love you. I wake up every month, Jesus, I love you. And here we get to, to Youth of the Mission. And I just want to go, Jesus, I love you. And I didn't have a prayer life. I didn't have a prayer life. So they said to me in Youth of the Mission, you need a prayer life. You need a prayer life. I didn't even know what a prayer life was. You need to do devotionals. So, thanks, baby. Can you, can you get this to this fella? Can you hold that? She, so they started giving me a prayer life, and I had to start to pray. And I had to do family devotionals, and I, I didn't even know what one was, but I knew we were going to do it well. So I lined my kids up on a bench, I said, and, and my wife, and they're all there, and I was, right, we're going to do this, and we're going to be the best in youth of the mission at doing this prayer life and doing this devotional, so get ready. So we started doing this. So we had this prayer life, and it wasn't too bad, I know. You know you're going to have to hold a few things in a minute, mate. So, so they said, if you have, you know, it says, Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, could you not tarry for an hour? So they started talking to us about the hour of power. And if you pray for an hour, boy, your spirit is going to get so built up. I went, oh, pray for an hour. Now, I'm used to being in the police, getting up early. So if I pray for an hour and that makes me really spiritual, how about I get up for three hours? So I was getting up and leaving Pam in a bed and going down to the prayer room at like two, three in the morning. And I'm having three hours of prayer. I'm a pretty big Christian, aren't I? And then they said, right, that, that's great. You see, the truth was in that. You do need to pray. There's nothing wrong with that truth. It was where my heart was at. I was trying to perform. And then they said, okay, so you get your Bible out. And you read three chapters a day of your Bible. So they're teaching us all this good truth. You've got to get in the Word of God. And the Word of God is wonderful. So you've got to get in the Word of God. So we've got a few Bibles over here, actually, baby. We get, we, we'll give them a couple of Bibles because we need a couple of translations, hey? So we give these to this guy to hold. And he, so they said, if you read three chapters a day, you kind of start to get quite spiritual. So I'm praying, not one hour, but three. And now I've got to get three chapters. I thought, how about I read 10 chapters? So I'm plowing through 10 chapters, and I'm getting pretty good at this. And 
my wife and the kids, they're stuck in the room and I'm getting real spiritual in Wawam. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then they say, hey, you've got to learn this art of serving, you know. So we, we had sort of serving, setting up church. So we, we kind of started to serve. Don't give them that, Pippi. We've got to start serving. But we've got to learn. There was a whole manual in Wawam about serving, so we gave them that. And I had to learn this manual all about serving, so we served the Lord. So we've got plenty of service going on. You doing all right, mate? Doing all right? It's good. It's good. He's a strong bloke. Hey, Pippi, glad you didn't pick this up now. And then, then they said, right, you've got this prayer life down, so I'm praying three hours. I'm doing 10 chapters a day. I'm plowing through. And then they said, right, you know, now we've got to get out in the streets and tell people about Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all in the Bible. It's all true. We need to love God, make, uh, love people, make disciples. I forgot about the love bit. So I'm out there. I'm going to go and hit the streets. So we, we came along and they, they loaded us up with some good stuff in that as well. So there was a manual for, for that. We better put that in there. Hey, baby. And while I'm doing that, I then discovered this. This is New Testament words. This is awesome. It's great. But we, we bit of that. And then we... We'd load this fella up a bit more. You doing okay? You might need a hand over here, mate. Yeah. I don't know. See, see we can get there. He's a strong bloke. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. He's, no, because this is me. I'm, 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 I'm great. I'm out of evangelism now. And then, oh, my goodness. It was like, then we had to serve. So there was manuals on that, and there was manuals on this. And it's like, thanks, Pippi. So we've got this bloke. This is me, right? This is me in 1999, serving Jesus. Giving it all. Are you okay there? It's good. No one can see him. Nobody can see him. You know, it's all about this. It was all about performance. It was all about performance. Eh? It has to be hidden. Because if he turns around here, you say, there's this word here that says perform. It was all about that. Do you think we should let this bloke go? Because if he drops this, he might go to hell. You've got to worry about it. Let's, let's release him from that in God's kingdom. And Thanks, mate. The reality is, the reality is my heart was not in that. My heart was all in this thing. And guess what? Three years later, we get kicked out of Youth with a Mission. Well, not literally. We were actually left because we've been serving with Youth with a Mission for three years. Being in the Philippines, a lot of my heart was doing this stuff. And then we came out and met this other couple, got into ministry, and during that ministry time, they said, hey, we should start a church for all these broken people who keep coming to us. I said, that's a great idea. Guess who I didn't ask? I didn't ask my wife. I didn't consult with God because I was still sitting on two, two prongs of the chair. I wasn't going to ask Dad about what I should do. I just thought I knew better. So we started a church. And so I'm doing all this stuff. And then I'm, I'm earning money and I'm running church and I'm doing all these things. Still trying to get spiritual. But the reality is, you can't carry all that stuff all the time. That was my misplaced performance identity. And then in 2006, my whole world fell apart because our son started to get unwell. And I'm working in mental health. And I'm going, that can't be happening to him because I'm a spiritual bloke and we're doing all this stuff and my family are just falling apart. And... You know that said, I said, the Lord makes you lie down in green pastures. Well, in 2006, we started having to lie down. And I ended up departing that church because I wasn't able to perform. And I wasn't able to do the work as the pastor, the senior pastor, declared that work to be done. 
And you see, if your relationship is based on work or performance, the minute you can't work, the minute you can't perform, you become worthless. And inside, I became worthless. I wasn't good enough. I was still trying to get my 98%. My 100%, it wasn't happening. So I had all these things. And in 2006, God says, he reminded me of the word he'd given me in Youth of the Mission. He said, I want to take an excavator to your life. And I started looking at sonship. I started discovering. But guess what? Like I said, you need to relearn things. So after a couple of years, I carried on. I was starting to get back to that. I was learning stuff about being a son. And I was standing at the front of a church going, I'm a son. But guess what? I was a slave. And I was an orphan. My spirit was an orphan spirit. And so the Lord started digging in and saying, hey, you really need to stop. You nearly need to rest. And until 2012, and that was it. For a year, I didn't work. Because I had to look after my son who collapsed. We were, we were in part of a big church. We had to step right back. And basically, God said, there you go. I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. I'm going to teach you about this stuff. So, I started to learn that my work and my worth were completely different things. See, if my worth was in my work, I wasn't a son. My, if my net worth was worth more than my self-worth, I wasn't a son. If my value was just about the valuables I had and the things I could do for the kingdom of God, I was taken out. And I started to, to look at this and I realized that if I don't work and I don't produce and I'm not being the good Christian, I have no value. And I want to tell you here today, that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. God doesn't say that. He doesn't say that about his children. He looks down and he smiles upon you. It says this in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 15. Only someone too foolish to find his way home would wear himself out with work. So when I was in Youth with a Mission, I would have dinner with my family and do all the Christian stuff and they'd have all the nice announcements. And then I'd go back to my maintenance shed because I got put in charge of maintenance. Pam, Pam just laughed. Me and maintenance don't go together, okay? But that's what they gave me and I was going to be good at it. But the reality is, I was foolish enough to go back to the work and not go home, not go back to the room and spend time with my children. So God started working on this. And I'm so good, so glad that he did. You know, it's pretty straight. Only someone too foolish to find his way home would wear himself out with work. That's pretty straight in them. And that's, that's God speaking straight from his word. See, life is more important than what we do. What we do is, is important. Work and worship actually have the same, same word. They're avidar. So work and worship is the same in Greek. It's avidar. So for many of us, yeah, work can be worship, but it has to be in the right, the right order. You know, we're more than the, the sum. So what's the antidote? What is the antidote? Because that, that thing there, false identity, what is the antidote to that? Because the word of God gives us an antidote for that false identity. It's a good starting point. Started it a few times. Started it in 2006, revisited it in 2012, and God has been working on me ever since. See, Papa God created us, and God doesn't create junk. You know, He doesn't. He does not create junk. 
See, God doesn't create anything without value or purpose. Jesus died for us. He didn't die for us because we're a load of rubbish. He died for us because we are valuable. And the Holy Spirit, when you expect, accept the Holy Spirit, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit fills you up and empowers you. So God created us. Jesus died for us. And the Holy Spirit is in and alive and kicking and wants to get out of us. Those three things should just say, hey, let's, let's finish there. Let's go home. Because that's the truth from the word of God. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So, all of those three things should tell us our incredible worth in Jesus. And when they started infecting me, when they started actually sinking into my spirit, I was free. God set me free. And so when I stand up and put my hands up and you know, do foolish things for God and say I am a son, that's because I am. Because it's now in there. And I can take a day off. And the whole world doesn't stop turning. It doesn't. You see, it's not what gives, it's not the things we do that give us worth. It's who I belong to. It's not the things I do. In all of that stuff, in YWAM, it was all about me doing to achieve the 100% to please my dad. And you know what? As God took me in that process, I look back, I forgave my father, and I actually look back and go, my dad really loved me because he gave me what he had to give me out of what he had to give, if that makes sense. You see, when I talk about 4 by 2 ministry, his mother was four, four foot eight. She was a tall lady. And she used to hop up on a chair to crack the brothers, there was three of them, with a steel cast iron skillet. So I didn't receive a cast iron skillet, but what I received was something watered down. My dad loved me. And we had some conversations about that stuff. So, but the thing was, that was holding up my connection with my papa God. And I call him that. So God poured in. So where is the truth in this? It says here, this is in James 1.18. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of everything God has created. Do you want me to read that again? Because I think that's it. It's a good word, that, Keith. It is. It's good. Straight from the word of God. God decided to give us life through the word of truth, that we, that each one of us in this room and those online and those, that each one of us will be the most important thing of everything God has created. So no matter what he's created, and if you go back to creation in the book of Genesis, he created all these things and he said they were good. And he said, then he created man and woman in his image and he said they were very good. They were the best thing. The best thing he created. You want to say that to yourself. Wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm the best thing God created. It's the truth. So where is the truth? You know, this thing about the truth there says the word of truth. And people... We hung out with some Dutch reformists for a while, but one of them had this incredible revelation. He used to say, Dutch people, I'm not here to offend anyone, but Dutch people are very tied into the truth. And I have some really close Dutch friends, and you know, everything is about truth and fact, and that's great. And the word of God is truth. But the revelation was this. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So our truth is found in the everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have to perform so the most important thing is that it doesn't matter what people say about you 
it doesn't really matter what people do to you. And we've had some stuff said about us along the way and some stuff done to us. It actually doesn't even matter what you think about yourself. It matters what the Word of God says. And the Word of God actually tells us all about our identity. The Word of God is what matters. And what matters is what Papa says about you. God says this in Isaiah 49, 16. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. So when Jesus went to the cross, and in a couple of weeks we're going to come here on Good Friday, we're going to talk about when Jesus was nailed to the cross. When he was nailed, literally nailed to the cross, those nails went straight through his hands and into the cross. Straight through here. So when we get up to heaven, we'll be healed and set free. The Word of God tells us that. The only person walking around as a reminder will be Jesus. And, and you look at that and go, he, you know, his name, your name is tattooed on the palms of his hands. Nailed for you. So when Jesus was nailed to that, that was it. It was permanently shows us that God loves us. Our true identity our true identity is the first thing I want to talk about. So we need to rest in our true identity. As it says in Romans 8, I just want to finish. I'm going to just pull some stuff out of Romans 8. And we're going to finish with that today. But we're going to come back and we're actually going to look at how we continue to relax. So let's have a look at those things it says in Romans 8. Romans 8. Starting at verse 14, it says, The mature children of God. And the Greek, the Greek in 8.14 says, Those and only those. The mature children are those and only those. You are those and only those who are moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive a spirit of religious duty. You know, for years I operated in the spirit of religious duty. Operating to please my dad. And you know what? When I forgave my dad, when I said, Dad, I love you, when I really said that, my dad had been dead for about six years. We can't wait that amount of time. We need to put our relationships right with God. We don't need more religious duty. We need to rest in our identity. And it says, yeah, you didn't receive this spirit. Leading you back into the fear of not being good enough. The fear of not being good enough. For years I feared. I lived out of fear. I might have been a big fancy policeman with all these lapels full of epaulet stuff and brass on here. And I had a police station of 200 people. But inside that uniform, I was a quaking little scared boy. But Romans 8, I, I got this scripture, and I stuck in Romans 8 for a year. I couldn't get out of Romans 8 because the truth of that is that he's leading us back. We're, we don't have to feel not good enough. You have received a, full, a spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. You'll never feel orphaned anymore. As his spirit rises up with the words of tender affection, we say, beloved father, Abba, Abba. And that word Abba is not a Greek word. It's actually an Aramaic word. And in Aramaic, it says Father. It's also found in Mark 14.36 and Galatians 4.6. Abba is also used as a term of endearment. So if you do hear me pray, 
It is, and I do use the word Abba. It's because I have this thing that's in my heart because he is our Abba. He's our Papa. And our God loves us. Our dad loves us so much. And the world likes to lie about that, but our Abba, our Papa loves us. It actually is, could be translated as Daddy, Daddy God. We can call him Abba Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real as he whispers in our innermost being, you are my beloved child. And since we're his two children of God, we all qualify to share in his treasures. We are heirs with God himself. And since we are co-joined with Christ, we inherit all that he is and all that he has. You inherit everything Jesus is and everything Jesus has, providing we take on his sufferings as our own. I don't like that last bit, but that's in the word of God. That's the truth. And then it goes on to talk about a glorious destiny, but that's for another time. So can we bow our heads and just pray, just, just to start to sink in. Let us rest in our identity. We're going to come back next week. We're going to look at a few more things we can rest in. But that is one of the primary things, that the enemy is an identity thief. You know, there's a lot in the press about identity being stolen and, and the, the enemy coming and taking stuff and corruption and how we get our identity. And we've had our... We've had stuff stolen from us, credit cards. We've had our identity replicated. And, but the enemy is the biggest identity thief. The enemy comes to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. That's a fact. But Jesus came that we would have life and life to the full. Our identity as children of God. When we're alive, because it goes on, and I read it the other week, Romans 8.19 says that the world... Yas Valley, 2582, are standing on tippy toes, waiting for the children of God to be released. If we can just grab our true identity in Christ, then everything else starts to fall into place. That's one of the primary things. Let me just pull up a psalm just to, to pray this psalm, and then we're going to finish. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. If God's grace doesn't help the builders, they labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the centuries will circle in vain. It's senseless to work so hard from early morning till late at night, toiling to make a living for the fear of not having enough. God provides for his lovers even while they sleep. So tonight when you go to sleep, just know that God provides for his lovers even while they sleep. Children are God's love gift. Each one of you this morning, you need to know that. You need to know that. So let's pray. Papa, I just thank you that your truth, it's your truth when we know your truth, Lord, then your truth sets us free. So I'll pray right now for those that are online and those that are in the, in the room today, God, that uh, the truth of their identity, that you would come and reveal, even while they're sleeping, Lord, that you would just come and reveal your truth in a deeper way. Lord, for us at YCBC and, and for this valley, Lord, while the people are waiting for, they're waiting in eager expectation on tippy toes for us to be revealed, that you would come and minister to our spirits. You would come and touch the reality of the orphan spirit, Lord. The orphan spirit that has bound up many. 
And the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid was to give his life. And if you're online this morning or you're in this room and you, you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about for the last little while, he wants to come and he wants to reveal himself in all the glory, Father, Son and Spirit, to bring salvation. So if that's you, I'm just going to give it a moment. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And if that's you, just, just pray alongside. Why don't we all pray? It's Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. And I thank you that you paid the price for my sins, past, present and future. And this morning I invite you into my heart as my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my dad. Come and reveal your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're here this morning and maybe some of this stuff about, you know, you've held on to stuff, you've, you've done what I did, or you're doing it. Just all the doing, and God's saying to you this morning, if it's touching you, and God's saying, it's time to rest. It's okay. I've got this thing. I've got this thing called church. I've got this thing called community. I didn't send my son in vain. He just wants you to be set free this morning of those things. So while people have got their heads bowed and are praying, if that's you, just... I'd love to pray for you. Just pop your hand up and I just want to pray. Hmm. Okay. Well, Lord, just thank you for those that, Lord, just acknowledge the fact that they need a deeper revelation of your sonship in their life, a deeper revelation of their identity in you. Because it's out of your identity in us, Lord. It's out of our childlike identity as children of the living God, that you give us a call, you give us a, a voice to the community. Lord, so just ask that you would just pour out upon each person here today, Lord. You just touch them. Touch them with a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.